Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. Uh, the Super Bowl has come and gone. It did not go the way that either of us were wanting. Um, no, no. But the NFL Hall of Fame vote has come and gone, and that did go the way that you were wanting, with Peyton Manning highlighting a star-studded class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know I figured that he would get in, but it was uh, it was a cool moment to see that be official, and uh, you know makes you feel old a little bit when you you know guy that you became a fan of in college is is now getting in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That means you've been around a while. But uh, but yeah, it was cool, and uh, you know a, a good class with some. A couple, at least, that I, I think uh, you know merit discussion on what that what their induction means for others. I guess. I well, I, I think uh, you know Woodson getting in was expected. Pretty obvious. He yeah, deserved yeah. it. Um, yeah. You know, we talked about Megatron, and and, he's, and what he's that would one. look like with yeah. a with a shortened yeah. career. Yep. Yep. I mean, he's he's one that I think you know it's. Uh, like, I'm fine with him getting in. My my general philosophy has been over the years that, like, once a guy gets in, it doesn't really do any good. You know, there's no point in debating whether or not he should be because they're not taking him out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, look, it's, uh, you know, you have to be really good to even merit consideration. And I like Calvin Johnson. I'm fine with him getting in. But it is it is interesting because I do think it, it, uh, I mean, it opens up the conversation about, you know, and another guy who was a finalist was Tony Baselli short career, different position, but similar, similar time frame, similar, you know, career accomplishments. Um, and, and another one that I've seen was, you know, being discussed today on Twitter and near and dear to your heart probably is Sterling Sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, short run, but if you're going to reward excellence over a seven to nine year window, he's got it. Yeah. I, I think that he is probably the most likely to springboard from this just on the direct like look the thing is his numbers are not what they were but passing wasn't it was what it is it wasn't you know that's going to be the tough thing for him like it almost feels like and i I don't know i mean how how long has he been retired his last year was 94 94 so when did i mean he's he's got to be he might be through his 20 years now now that i'm doing the math when did clay matthews retire do you know i I, Let me look it up. I don't. Hold but, on. Because this was this was Clay Matthews last year mm-hmm. to, to be on this ballot, and then you could be a senior candidate. Like, it, yeah. it feels like Sterling Sharp. And, yeah, okay, so Clay Matthews retired in 96. So Sharp's window for regular modern-day ballot is already over. But you um, would think that this would help his cause. I mean, he was yeah. he, he played 88 to 94. He led the league in catches three times, led the league in touchdowns twice. Yeah, was a three-time first-team All-Pro, which and, is the same number as Calvin Johnson, I believe, and five-time Pro Bowler. Yeah, let's look at let's look at Calvin Johnson. I'm pretty sure those numbers are very similar with All Pros and Pro Bowls. He had Calvin uh, Johnson, three-time All-Pro, six-time Pro Bowl. Yeah, but again, the Pro Bowl isn't what it used to be, so you know, one more doesn't really make much difference. Yeah, and he played on the, those late '80s. Early '90s, pre-far right. Packer teams, which not great, not yeah. great. But but neither was Calvin Johnson, of course. I mean, Calvin yeah. Johnson, when he was in the playoffs, what three times? I think the, the three with Stafford, or maybe even two, two, I guess, eleven and fourteen, two playoff games. Uh, you know, so same as Sharp, two playoff games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the now, obviously, Calvin Johnson's career numbers, I'm sure, 
dwarf Sharp. First of all, he played two more years. He yeah. played nine years. Sharp played seven. Right. And the passing game exploded. I mean, Calvin Johnson has 11,000 yards. What does Sharp have? Uh, 8,100. Yeah, see, I mean, that's a big difference. 83 touchdowns for Johnson. What Sharp got? 65. Yeah, but but again, you know, I think he, I mean, we just saw Drew Pearson how, get in. You know, uh, you know I, I think a senior nominee, he makes some sense down, you know, at some point. That's a tough road because there's only one every year, but I think he's got a shot. Well, and he, you know, the years he led the league in catches, 90, 108, and 112. Yeah, you yeah. Know. When, when 100 catches used to be, like, unbelievable. Now, yeah. you know, guys get 120, 130, and, you know, it's fairly routine. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it's an interesting one. I mean, I remember, like, when I was kind of first getting into football, and I remember him, you know, as a really good player, and then he got injured, and, and that was that. And, and, you know, for a while there, he was still held up as, like, one of the premier receivers. And then, you know, the other guys of his era, Jerry Rice, Jim Brown, Chris Carter, you know, they pushed the numbers so – Andre Reed, you know, so far and above what Sharp got that you thought, well, probably not. But, it, I mean, if Calvin Johnson gets in, I think it merits, again, different eras. But, you know, those – those you know, when you take away the stats and just the accomplishments, the – you know, team success or lack thereof, it's not all that different. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's the the injury difference, you know? Exactly. Exactly, yeah. I mean, he, you know, and that, that brings me to Tony Vaselli, who has been a finalist and probably will get in. And we talked about him, and I know you weren't as, as sold on him, but, boy, I mean, five-time Pro Bowl, three-time All-Pro in seven years. Yeah, uh, I mean now again different positions, but much like Sharp was a guy who in that prime it was short, but in that prime he was widely considered one of the best at what at his position. And that, I mean, you know, and I'm okay with that. I, I don't I don't have a problem with it. I just think you know you you got to apply it consistently. And it's interesting that Calvin Johnson gets in first ballot, which is a little bit of a surprise to me given how tough it was for receivers. There's so many, you know, Marvin Harrison, T.O., Parks Carter, uh, you know, some of those guys I just mentioned were had to wait three, four, five years. And it's kind of a surprise Calvin Johnson got in first ballot. Yeah. I, you know, I'm reading about the injury he suffered, and, and it was a sort of a fluky health thing. He, he suffered stinger injuries Sharp, in back-to-back, right? yeah. Stu- yeah. suffered stinger injuries in back-to-back games, which revealed that his top two vertebrae in his neck were loose. There was wow. a looseness between them that required them to be fused. And in 1994, there that was it. Yeah. yeah. You wonder if now, I mean, I don't know, but you wonder if nowadays he could come back and play. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's there's advancement and things like that. I, I, I don't know. Obviously, it's a totally different sport. But, you know, Tiger Woods had the spinal fusion different reason for it but you know back and has been you know pretty successful he has his problems with his back but uh you know you do wonder if maybe he could have come back and played if this you know if he played 20 years later yeah uh, you know it's an interesting it's not a direct comparison but uh the professional wrestler edge had a spinal fusion and was able to come back from it contact sport obviously the golf yeah yeah you know so uh, that's interesting i mean um I don't know. I, you know, obviously the senior 
candidacy is tough. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's, it's basically once you get picked, you're kind of a rubber stamp, but it's, it's hard to get picked because there's a lot of deserving guys that, you know, get, get mentioned and they only put one or maybe two depends on the rotation a year. Um, so, I mean, it's a, it's a tough road to haul. And, you know, I know there's a lot of momentum behind Clay Matthews this year, which was interesting. You know, the Clay Matthews candidacy reminded me a lot of baseball where a guy gets to year 10 and it's like, Oh, you know, we should put this guy in. Yeah. It's, I mean, we're out of Clay, time now. Yeah. I mean, Clay Matthews was never a finalist until this year. And well, and then, you know, he made the final 10, um, you know, just, just missed the cut of the five. Um, you know, so I don't know. It, it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I don't, I can't speak much to Clay Matthews' career, to be honest. Um, uh, you know, he, he, his prime was before I really was old enough to follow football and, and you know, could, could say. But a lot of people seem to think he was deserving. I don't know. Um, but I, I do hope, I mean, one of the guys we didn't mention that got in was Alan Fanica, and I think deservedly so. I, I mentioned yeah. when we talked about this a few weeks ago that I probably should have been in already. already. Yeah. And, and so with that, with him getting in, Hutchinson getting in, Kevin Mawai getting in the last three years. I hope it clears the way for Baselli. I, I, I think, you know, it's, He'll probably it's his get turn. It. Yeah. I think it's his turn next year. I mean, we we looked at the future classes, and, you know, Joe Thomas comes up in two years, so it feels like the right time for him in 2022 to get in, and then that clears the way for, for you know, Joe Thomas likely to be the only offensive lineman in 23. Yeah. I'm a... Uh... I'm curious what you thought of John Lynch getting in. You know, I, I mean, he won Super Bowls. I, he, he did. He, I mean, he was he was uh, the you know one of not the but one of the anchors of a really really good defense for many years in Tampa. And they won a Super Bowl. They got to another NFC title game there against the Rams. Um, very you know, media they, friendly. Very, very much so. Yeah, you know, and that doesn't hurt his his success that he's had as a GM doesn't hurt either. I know they don't, you know, they say that doesn't matter, but you know, he was on TV for a while. Now he's a GM and he's got the 49ers to the Super Bowl, and you know, I think that that helps. Um, you know, I'm I'm good with him getting in. I, <laughs> I mean, um, that makes what three of the three Bucks starters from that defense are in: Sapp, Brooks, and him. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. And Rondé Barber was a finalist this year, so you know if you're so a you finalist, think he'll probably get it. you got about a 95 percent chance of eventually getting in. Um, you know, a guy who gets kind of forgotten on that defense is Simeon Rice. I think Simeon Rice has a relatively decent argument too for being a Hall of Famer. He's never been a finalist, but you know he was he was really good for an extended period of time. Yeah, he was. You know, he was one of those guys who. You forget about the start of his career with the Cardinals because you think about how dominant that those Bucks teams were. Right. But the, well, the, of course, you do remember the famous Simeon Rice Cardinals comment, right? Um, Which makes him one of my favorite players ever, given my feelings on the Cardinals. I'm I'm blanking on it, but I assume it's negative. He called them the armpit of the NFL after he left. I. That's pretty good. I he had. <laughs> so, so I'll always like Simeon Rice for that. Admittedly, I'm a little biased. You know, in his time with the Cardinals, he had 51 and a half sacks. Yeah, three yeah. double-digit sack years, and then one, two, three, five straight with Tampa after he went there. Yeah. I mean, 122 sacks, Where I don't I don't know offhand where that ranks. I kind of think it ranks pretty high. I, I would imagine so, 
Um, let's see. Let's go to Well, because wasn't it 178 for Bruce Smith, I want to say? And he's the record holder, isn't he? Yeah. Let's Sacks. go. I'm looking at, I'm looking at uh, uh, the career sacks, pro football reference. God, this side's great. Bruce Smith has 200 even. 200. He's the leader. 122 ranks 20th all time. So it's not great, but the guys who are ahead of him who are not in the Hall of Fame, here's the list. Julius Peppers, not yet eligible. Terrell Suggs, not yet eligible. DeMarcus Ware, eligible next year. Jared Allen, eligible for the first time this year. Then you get John Abraham, who's probably not a Hall of Famer. Leslie O'Neill and Robert Mathis, who's not yet eligible. Man, the either. dogs do not like us talking about sack leaders. They, they think it's a Apparently team. Not. They think it's a team sport, and it's a selfish stat. I guess. I mean, it, you know, and it's of course it's. I mean, admittedly, and this may be their point as well. You know, they didn't keep stats on sacks until what 1982 or something like that. Yeah. So well, it's and a little, also when you when you list those guys, you have to wonder who had good coverage behind them, who was doing True. it. You know. Which obviously with Tampa, Pro Bowl you know, safety John Lynch, potential right. Pro Bowl safety, uh, you know, for for Peppers who played with, uh, you know, Woodson, who's uh, you know, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm just a, just Bears talking with, with Charles Tillman, who's a you know a great corner. Yeah, I mean, you know, it it, it factors in. I don't know, 122 sacks. I guess it's not as it's not. I mean, it's not a knock you over number. Like, I don't know if Robert Mathis is a Hall of Famer. I'm not sure I would say he is. I um, I wouldn't think so. But then I again, he so. was, you know, if it's one of those things, if you're the dominant guy on a Super Bowl right. defense, is that sufficient? Right. But, I see, I would go more Dwight Freeney as being a Hall of Famer from that defense. And and the interesting thing is I'm looking at it, Freeney finished his career with two and a half more sacks. I would have guessed Freeney would have had a lot more. Yeah. And Freeney actually played two more seasons than Mathis. Started one year earlier, finished one year later. So, I don't know. That's a I'm surprised in some way seeing that number. I would have thought Freeney had more. Yeah. Um, I feel like Freeney's a Hall of Famer. I think so. Another guy who, uh, whose um, relationship with Tony Dungy will probably help him. Doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's probably... I mean, I know Mathis was there, but, you know, like, of the Colts-Manning years, he's probably the only defender that really merits consideration. Mathis had his best years after Manning, really. Like, yeah. is there anybody else from that defense? Bob Sanders? I, of, I mean, Bob Sanders had a nice career, but isn't it, isn't it way too short? I know, yeah. I know we talked about guys with short, but Bob Sanders only was healthy for, like, two years total. Yeah, I, I was just I – mean, the reason great. why his name sticks out to me is because he was – Always the guy where it's like, well, if he's playing, they'll be good, and if he's he not playing, he was probably the best player on their defense. The problem is, I mean, at some point there has to be a line of like, you've got to be on the field some. Yeah, he was I'm, the, I'm okay the two with... years where he played more than six games. He was a first team All Pro both years, and he was Defensive Player of the Year one year, I think, too. Yeah, but um, he only had but... two years of his career where he played more than six games. Jeez, yeah, wowzers, you're right. Yeah, fourteen and 05, 15 and 07. And, 07, and, and I think dominant. Was, was defense player of the year. Yeah, dominant both yeah. of those years. There's no, there's no way. 50 games. There's just no way. You yeah. can't be a Hall of Famer in 50 I, games. I was being a little bit facetious when I suggested yeah. it, but it was no, just one and, of those things. I like, mean, it, it merits a look because he was really good, but yeah, I, I mean, I honestly, I thought he would have had more than 50 games. I thought maybe somewhere in the area of, you know, 80 or 90. I didn't know it was that little. 
And somehow, <laughs> it was the uh, wasn't it the 06 team that got the ring where he only played yeah. in four games? Because he came back to the playoffs. And he was great in the playoffs. Totally changed their defense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they were the worst rushing defense in the league throughout the season. And then in the four playoff games, they were really solid. And that was a big reason was him. So, so here, the other one though, and it's, it's not one of the modern five, but Tom Flores, what, what do you think? Well, I guess my, my question to you is what, what is the reason why he got let in? Is it because of how he flourished in the face of racism? Because uh, if that's the case, then sure. Yeah. Um, you know, and he was a two-time Super Bowl champ as a head coach, right? He was. He was. But then, so here's here's my thought, and I, you know, I said this in regard to Calvin Johnson. Like Tom Flores is in, great pat on the back, good for him. I believe it really opens the floodgates for other coaches, or at least it should if we're being equitable. Because Tom Flores finished two Super Bowls, yes, but 97 and 87 career record. That's underwhelming. Well, he's one Uh, of those guys, and there are some guys who are like this. Most guys benefit from longevity. Yeah. If he had called it quits after his last year with the the Raiders. Raiders, Yeah, yeah. You know, because he so went, what was he, he with went, the Raiders? He was eighty-three and fifty-three with nine years with the Raiders. Yeah, I mean he was Pretty twenty solid. games under five hundred with Seattle with the Seahawks, which was bad. And 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 you're right about long. I mean, I, you know, I read Peter King, who I'm not a big fan of, but he said he voted no on Tom Flores because you know you can't ignore the Seahawks years and and the fact that he went to a second franchise and was flat out bad. Um, and and I think that's fair. I mean, I guess I look at it, you know. 97 wins, two Super Bowls. So then we look at Tom Coughlin, 170 wins in two Super Bowls. Mike Shanahan, also 170 wins in two Super Bowls. Would seem to make those two locks. Locks. Um, Marty Schottenheimer, you know, rested peace this week. 200 wins. Like, I mean, I know he gets ripped for his playoff record. He was 5-13 and 13 in the playoffs, and that's bad. There's no other way to slice it. But 200 regular season wins, I feel like he probably is a Hall of Famer if you're going to put in Tom Flores with 97. Yeah. Well, and and Reeves, this is one of those 190. This is one of those moments where I, I think the, the simple truth is, yeah, all these guys are getting in. All, you know. I think so. I mean, I, I, think, I think that's – if you're going to be fair to the vote about Tom Flores, if you're going to treat it as just, you know, he's deserving – then I think Schottenheimer deserves it. I think Dan Reeves, 190 wins, four Super Bowl appearances. Didn't win one, but, you know, three with the Broncos, one with the Falcons. Mike Holmgren, 161. Super three Bowl. Three Super Bowl appearances, yeah. one win. Two different teams he took to the Super Bowl. You know, not a lot of guys can say that. I mean, I think it, it you know, it, uh, I mean, it's not just Tom Flores. I'll say this, putting in Bill Cowher and Jimmy Johnson, I think, does the same. And I like those guys, but, you know, Bill Cowher, 149 wins, one championship good really good but then i think you know you gotta you gotta put in mike shanahan how can you not yeah more wins more championships tom coughlin same thing yeah uh, you know i mean i don't know it, it just it becomes one of those like i think you've i think with doing that and, and this is okay I'm not, i don't mean this as an insult you've lowered the bar to, to be a hall of famer as a coach with bill Cowher, jimmy johnson and tom flores in the last two years 
because they're really good coaches, but I'm not sure they met the standard of what a Hall of Fame coach was before that. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, Jimmy Johnson, I think, is a, a worse example than Flores. Yeah. Because it's fewer wins and not mm-hmm. – there wasn't – like, he had a period of great success with Dallas. Right. And left in the midst of it. Right. You right. know. 80 and 64 career record. Yeah, but only, but only, you know, if you take the three years in Dallas, right? Fantastic, fantastic. 11 and 5, 13 and 3, 12 and 4, with two right. Super Bowls in that run. Yeah, but that is small sample size theater. Very, you know, very. And then, and then the four years with Miami, every year between eight and eight, ten and six. Yeah. And did he? Uh, they got to the playoffs three times, but never to even a championship game. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's yeah. I, I mean, you're right. That's that's a that's one of those. I think we get you know, we talked about it. I think in regard to some guys we were discussing, uh, who was it? Sean Lee. When we talked about guys currently, it's Dallas Cowboys. If Jimmy Johnson has the exact same record and the exact same success, all 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 including the back to back Super Bowls with the Kansas City Chiefs, is he a Hall of Famer? I'm gonna probably say no. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's the it's that Dallas Cowboys 1990s. He was a star. Well, and the know? hair, and and the thing is, the he hair, also gets yep. credit. I think, fa- fairly or unfairly, because it's the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But people are like, well, and he was so great yeah. when he was with the Canes. You yep. know. Yep, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. I mean, uh, you know, like again, I don't. I don't necessarily like to be like, oh, that guy doesn't deserve it. I mean, if if a group of people who know the sport decide to vote you in, great. But, but I, it I just makes think... it a lot more. There are a lot more guys. Like it's it, yeah. it it's a floor lowering selection. Yes, yes. Like honestly, when Tom Coughlin, you know, they won the second Super Bowl in in twenty twelve. You know, February of twelve. And the conversation was, like, you know, is Tom Coughlin a Hall of Famer? And I thought, nah, I don't think so. But now, I, I do. If Jimmy Johnson is, if Tom Flores is, yeah. I mean, you've basically said two Super Bowls is, you know, a free pass. And if, and that's okay. But then you got George Seifert, another one, won two Super Bowls. Probably got to put him in. Yeah. Or at least you should. Now, Seifert, very much like Tom Flores, Got to be hurt a little bit by his second go round with the Panthers because he was awful there, from what I recall. Yeah. Let me see. He was one fourteen and sixty two total, which is a really good record. Panthers eight and eight, seven and nine, one and fifteen, sixteen and thirty two. So very similar to Flores four, fourteen and thirty four. Yeah, Not except good. better overall numbers. Yes, but you know his I mean, eight years with the Niners, they never won less than ten games. They made the playoffs seven out of eight years, won two championships. I mean, that's... Well, and the second <sighs> Super Bowl validates that it wasn't all right. Bill Walsh. Right. You the know? first one, he, it was his first year. Walsh had, had retired. Montana was there. and then, Yeah, I mean, I think, I think he gets downgraded because of, oh, well, he just took over Bill Walsh's team. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. They won another one. And, and we're, you know, they didn't miss a beat. I mean, it's kind of using a team in their area. It's kind of, you know, David Shaw, Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh built it. But 
David Shaw's been there now for what a decade, and and until the last couple of years, they really haven't missed a beat. So you know, at some point, you got to give the next guy credit. Yeah, he's. Uh, and this is from somebody who doesn't much like David Shaw, but you know, got to acknowledge it. Yeah, he, uh, ninety and thirty six as the Stanford head coach. I, I, David Shaw. I mean, yes, yeah. yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> ninety yeah. and thirty six yeah. with uh, two Rose Bowl wins. And yeah. and a loss in the Rose Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Which of course that Fiesta Bowl loss is the root of why I really don't like David Shaw. If I'm being honest, mm-hmm. he blew that game for Andrew Luck. But uh, so on that on the same subject, we'll, we'll wrap up here with the Hall of Fame. Current coaches that are Hall of Famers. Can we agree, Bill Belichick and Andy Reid? Absolutely. And, and, yes. Uh, I mean, I mean Bill Belichick. Is, they they might. Bill Belichick, they might actually change the rules to just induct him now. Yeah, I mean, you know, like he's he's as good a lock as there is. And I think Andy Reid, 221 wins, a bunch of playoff appearances, been to three Super Bowls, won one. To me, it's an easy one. But Pete Carroll? What do you think? Uh, I think Pete Carroll definitely will get in based on what I think so, too. I think so. I mean... He gets knocked for the Jets and Patriots years, but his record really wasn't that horrible on those two teams. Um, sorry. We're we're gonna pause while the dogs do this, whatever they're doing. Okay. And we're but back, just... at least temporarily. Uh, <laughs> it got a little out of hand because the littler dog starts barking, and then the bigger dog starts crying, and then it just goes. I got you. I it, got it you. Just, becomes a giant kerfuffle um they got a lot to say about pete carroll all right so here is who i as i look through the list here's who i think could be in should be in yeah uh i think reed is a lock belichick is a lock i think sean payton is probably in i think so too i think mike tomlin is probably in yeah yeah i think so i think payton i would put ahead of him Mm -hmm. but but yeah and then the last one, the one that I think is like the, you don't think of him that way, but John Harbaugh. Yeah. Super yeah. Bowl champ, I mean, 140 it, it, and 87. They're almost always in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, Nine I playoff mean, bursts, four-time divisional what, champ, years. one-time yeah. Super Bowl champ, one-time coach of the year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, he's I, one of those guys that it feels like like one more even Super Bowl appearance. I think would cinch it. Yeah. He can, you know, get, especially if they would go with Lamar Jackson, like a totally different style of offense than what they had with Flacco. I think that would lock it up. But yeah, I mean, he's kind of on track for it. I agree. Uh, and then the other one who to me is a, a guy you have to at least think about if he, mm-hmm. if he does anything in Dallas mm-hmm. is McCarthy. Yeah. 141 yeah. Yeah. wins. And and he gets a Dallas rub if the Cowboys are uh, you know a playoff team. Yeah, I mean he would absolutely have to turn things around from last year in Dallas. But if that got hurt. Them, like that's part of it. He did. He did. Yeah. Um, I mean, I agree. Like right now, that seems insane because his you know his luster really wore off in the last few years with Green Bay, and then obviously this year was a disaster with Dallas. But if he if he could turn it around and get to the playoffs a couple times and maybe even an NFC title game or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it, it merits consideration if he's able to do it in two places. Yeah. 
everybody I, is dump. You know, it's it's fashionable to dump on Mike McCarthy right now, but I, you know, I don't think he's that bad of a coach. No. And then there's a lot of guys who the jury is out on. Yeah, you newer know. coaches, obviously, it's hard to say. Yeah, um, McVay, Lafleur, right, you know, right. Kevin Stefanski. Yeah, yeah, I think it's too early to say on any of them. I mean, John Gruden, I don't think so right now, right? Mm, I know he won a Super Bowl, but like he'd have to have a, a really good run with Oakland. Well, his career number. He'd have to have a great run with Oakland because they're in Vegas now. But uh, oh, that's true. His, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's his, right. His that. career yeah. numbers. He's only five games above five hundred for his yeah, career. That's not great. And yeah. part of that is like I get that he's played or he coached like bad teams. He took yeah. over bad teams and righted the he ship. Did. But you don't you don't get a ton of credit for that. You know, I'm no, I'm more impressed no. by the fifteen and seventeen coaching job of Brian Flores in his career than I am with most John yeah. Gruden seasons. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I don't I don't think so right now. Now, Gruden obviously would benefit from his, you know, media persona. Yeah. Although I, I say that, and then in the next breath, I think, you know, there's a lot of people who seem to be rooting against him in the media. So maybe he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way during his run with Monday Night Football. I don't know. I always thought he came across as kind of fun-loving and, you know, seemed to enjoy it. But uh, I remember when he... Now, it's less so the last couple of years. That first year with the Raiders, when they made the trades, and it was like people had their pitchforks out for him. They were they were ready to attack. Now, there's one other guy who I think merits some discussion on this, and you're not yeah. going to like it. Okay. Bruce Arians. I mean, no, I don't like him. I think he's got he's to do more than now. He's got a great story, first yeah. of all. He, yeah. You know, the Colts year... As the yeah. interim head coach. And then he made it to, you know, a Super Bowl win, a couple playoff right. bursts with the Cardinals before that. Right, right. You know. I mean, if they were to win another Super Bowl with him, I mean, again, we've talked about the two Super Bowls. You know, at that point, I, I think you got to probably have the discussion, even though I'm not a big fan of his at all. Uh, you know, I, I think it's, I mean, he's not young. It's, uh, but to me, it's a lot like a Sean McVay or a Kyle Shanahan. Like you know, you gotta you gotta show me more. You put more on the resume, maybe. But right now, I'm not there. Yeah. Plus, uh, he'll. I mean, he'll honestly the one Super Bowl at least. You know, I mean, it's it's Tom Brady's Super Bowl in most people's eyes, which is foolish because a lot of people contributed to that. But that's most the notably, their defense. Yes, very much, very much. You know, but the perception is. Buccaneers were hapless, couldn't, you know, get out of their own way. They might as well have gone 0-16 last year. And then Tommy rode in on his white horse, and he transformed them into a championship. Not true, uh, but, you know, that's perception. And, and sometimes, as we know, that becomes reality. Uh, I think we should transition to a discussion about teams that are primed to make a move regardless of how they looked the year before. Correct, and, correct, uh, yes. I think it's time to talk about ASU. Doug Haller did the depth charts for ASU football, uh, offense and defense. And I think it's pretty clear that we are in the no excuses world now. For this agreed. Season. Agreed. I mean, I, I texted you that, you know, looking at the defensive one today and the first, first bullet point he had about Antonio Pierce, and I'm pulling it up to get the wording right. 
He doesn't want to hear any more about how young the Sun Devils are. For the past three seasons, it's echoed inside Pierce's head. We're young, we're young, we're young. But not anymore. Arizona State might feel the oldest secondary in the country, full of fifth and sixth-year seniors. Totally with that. Like we, We've heard that. It's been true in some ways and, and not in others, but it's not true this year. You cannot make the excuse of lack of experience or lack of depth when you've got so much returning. Yeah. Now, that's going to be the case in a lot of places. We're not we're not unique. We're not um, special, you know. but this defense seemed in the last two weeks to yeah. have figured it out. Now, the Arizona game, that's an outlier. That, sure. They're not going to get people to fumble on their own five multiple no, exactly. times and things yeah. like that. But yeah. I, I think they found something with the line play last year. So yes. getting back the whole line is big. And Agreed. the linebacking core... You know, I, I don't know what to say. It's three years of all of these guys and four years yeah. for two of them, including the captain and, and the most talented player on the defense. Right, right, um, yeah. I mean, it's a it's an unbelievable wealth of experience. I mean, I, I you know, you're never going to have a year like this probably ever again as you've got all 11 starters returning and a lot of your key depth. We, we did not lose, that I can recall, did we lose a single contributor from the defense? Uh, Anybody? I mean, Crosswell, I guess. But not last year. No. I mean, Crosswell from 2019, but yeah. he never saw the – he didn't see the field last year, Yeah, did he'd he already been Special demoted. Teams. That was part of why he left. One, and that was demoted. it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we only played four games last year, and that makes that makes all evaluations of, of last year tough. But, you know, I mean, to, to have everybody back – now, granted, it's, I'm not saying we're bringing everybody back from a national championship winning team, but still a team that, that you know, showed showed good signs really in all four games. Yeah, we lost the first two, but we talked about it after the USC game. I mean, defensively, we played pretty darn well in that game. It was impressive. And then, you know, the, the special teams and the offensive mistakes and things like that came back to bite us. Um and then the UCLA game wasn't a work of art, but, you know, you do have to factor in that we had three weeks without practicing or playing um, and still, you know, held them under 30 points, had the lead late. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's not like we got run over by anybody. And, uh, you know, to have everybody back and, and almost everybody back on offense. Well, and that apparently mean, we're going to have Jack Jones back, which was a yeah, question as the season progressed. That like, way. You know, we're going to get – both our both our starting corners plus the guys who stepped up right. and played uh, right. in Jones' right. absence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like Jones is one of those guys that I suppose because of his history, you shouldn't count on him. You know, until he's out on the field and and I week to week. Like if he's out on the field week one, we shouldn't just assume he's going to be out there week two and by, and so on and so forth. Um, but, you know, he, he's good when he plays. He played very well against USC last year. It was the only game he played. Um, but looked good. And, and, you know, without him, we were still pretty good. Tamarcus Davis was good. Uh, we got some good young ones. And, we, we you know, we signed that Isaiah Johnson kid who's a, you know, top mm-hmm. ten corner in the country. Yeah, and um, Tommy Hill's also a corner, four-star yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I geez, like you – again, we're not going to be the only team – 
this is the case where you have a lot of depth and a lot of returning production. I mean, you look at Iowa State is like, you know, geez, they got everybody back from a Fiesta Bowl team. And so, you know, a team like that is thinking, wow, this is our year to make something happen. Um, and there's a lot of teams that are out there that have a ton of returning talent that they wouldn't have had otherwise. But, you know, we got to take advantage of this because it's a, as, as star-crossed as 2020 was, it's opened the door to a 2021 that we could never have expected, having all these guys back. Yeah, you know, the, the second year of Hill's offense, right. the second year of this 4-3 defense, you've got an all-pro caliber punter. You've yeah. got a quarterback who everyone has been saying is he should make the leap, and this is it. Yeah. You've yeah. got a, a receiving core that is chock full of four-star guys yeah. from this year and last year, plus the expectation that Badger will be eligible. Right, right. I was um, glad to see his name in there, that you know depth chart, because you always wonder when a guy misses a year for academics, like is he still going to be around? And it seems like, at least so far, yes. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, we, you and I had very high expectations going into this year, this yeah. past year. I, I think those expectations will be as high this year. You know, you look uh, yeah. around the rest of the conference. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, they, who else for me, in the probably South? higher. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I know we both picked him to go seven and zero last year when we did our game by game. But you know, first of all, it wasn't a full season, so even if you went undefeated, we didn't play those seven games, as we know. Um, you know, I'm not probably going to pick us to go twelve and zero, but I I do believe that you know minimum expectation to me is winning the Pac-12 South, and that doesn't that's not because the Pac-12 South stinks, because I don't think it does. I think, you know, there's, you know, UCLA's better, USC's pretty good, Utah's always solid, Colorado was good last year. I mean, I think it's going to be a challenging division, but if not now, when is kind of my feeling. Like, you know, we, we got to do it. This is the year. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think that was one of the things that Pierce echoed. This is, look, this is frankly Todd Graham level speaking victory. It is. We are. It is. We are setting a high bar, and Pierce is the coach in waiting, and he's getting a lot of love from a lot of places about being one yeah. of the ten guys you have to watch, or next head sure. coaches, or whatever. And it, and it's clear he's going to take over this job, but not if we struggle, because right. because right. roosters don't those want th- that. <laughs> those things change. I mean, I can uh, tell you as a Texas fan, you know, Will Muschamp was hired to take over at, at Texas. He was the defensive coordinator, going to be the coach in waiting. The defense struggled. He ended up leaving. Now he got the Florida job. wasn't a bad, you know, falling, falling into or falling upwards type of job. But uh, you know, the success and the feeling of oh, we can't wait for this guy to take over went away because the defense wasn't very good, and people thought, eh, no. So you're right. right. I mean, it, it feels that way now, but that could change. So, with that, I think the question becomes: Are we talking about? One national title, a repeat, <laughs> a three-peat. Um, Maybe even an eight-peat. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Look, hey, I'll take it a year at a time, and I'll, and I'll say, I mean, we don't have our schedule yet, which little minor complaints. 
Pac-12 last major conference to announce their schedule. The other four have now. As always. Um, but that's, yeah, par for the course. But uh, we don't have a schedule yet, but um, we do have an idea, at least, of our opponents. I think, uh, aren't we going to BYU non-conference? Yeah. They were supposed to come here this year. Um, but that's, you know, that's not a brutal trip, and, and obviously BYU loses Zach Wilson, so not to say they're going to be horrible, but, you know, you lose a top-five pick should should make them a little worse. Um you know, and, and the conference opponents, again, I mean, my thought is this. I'm not basing my expectations this year on other teams not being good. or My expectations are simply to look at this program and what this program has built and say, go win a lot of games. Because, you know, it, it shouldn't be just based on who you're playing and, oh, the South is down. We've had years like that where we've said, well, the South, they're not very good. Maybe we can win it. I don't think that's the case this year, and I don't care. I still think we should win it. Yeah. Yeah, I I think we should, and I think that we need to. Um, Ray Anderson just got a big money extension, hundred thousand dollar raise. Right. Um, presumably, yeah. Presumably, that's you know an expectation that we're not going to be in the market for a new head coach unless it's a head coach who's in house because we were super successful and then right. Herm retired. Right, right, right. I mean, hey, this is this is year four under Herm, um, and and that's the that's the area you point to. And I think they were pointing to, you know, twenty and twenty one. And it, look, it does no good to go back over everything that happened and why twenty twenty wasn't what we hoped it would be. But uh, you know, the arrow is pointing up, and and you just got to do it. And I know we said a lot of the same stuff about basketball this year, and it hasn't happened. Um, but it's true about it's it, it remains true about basketball. It they, does. It should it have does. been it, it was pointing up, it should have been more successful than this. Yes. The year was yes. screwy. Uh it and was. I think that explains a lot of it, but I don't think it explains all of it. And it if you want more on that, please go back a couple weeks and listen couple to that weeks podcast. Ago. <laughs> right. Although we're undefeated since that. Yeah. Um you know, 2-0. But uh you know, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I mean the the year has been weird, but that you cannot, I think it's a mistake if you just attribute all the struggles of this year to, uh, COVID cancellations, practices, blah, blah, blah. Like you, you've got to look inward and realize that there's other things wrong besides, yeah, you've had to take some breaks and, and you've had guys out and that sucks. No, no doubt about it. It's been rough. But as we talked about then, it's been rough for every team in the country. And a lot of them are still finding ways to be successful. Yeah, absolutely the case. So, and that I don't, I really truly do not believe that's going to be an excuse next year for football. I hope not. And I don't believe it will be. I think, you know, things are trending and, and by August, um, we should at least be in a position that, hey, you're, you're playing the games. There won't, there, there shouldn't be any more like, oh, we got to cancel two games and, you know, like, no, this is your schedule. Back to 2019 and, and prior mentality. This is your schedule. You're going to play them. You're, you're not going to reschedule. You're not going to adjust. And so go win a bunch of games and get to a conference championship game and then see what happens from there. That's kind of my thought. Yeah. Um, that, I think, covers today. We will be back to talk about ASU basketball's, in theory, return to the court. Tonight. Yeah, playing tonight. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And how they look with a shorthanded roster and a lot of COVID protocol issues uh, running yeah. rampant through a program that 
seems unlikely to be able to afford that kind of thing. Yeah. Right Although from what I saw, I mean, not to diminish, but the guys that the guys that are out don't play. So well, it shouldn't really Cherry. be an excuse. And Cherry. Cherry, yeah, although he's been out. I, I've kind of given up on him. I hate to say that. Um, supposedly he's coming back, and that'd be great. But, you know, I mean, like, okay, I, when I read we were down three guys, I'm like, oh, boy, who are the three? I'm like, well, okay, the three don't play anyway. So, you know, again, no excuses. Go out and win. Find a way. Agreed. Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.